Welcome to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where every Jojo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. This is episode 27, and we're doing things a little differently here because we're not reviewing anything, but rather discussing our favorite Jojo stands. As always, there'll be spoilers for anything that's happened in the Jojo anime, so you've been warned. This is going to be a fun one. We haven't done a discussion episode on Strictly Jojo in a long time. I think the only one was like that uh, Joestar Inherited Soul event. Right? Yeah, that was fun. We, it was like a bonus episode that we did because um, that was that was quite an interesting uh, <laughs> quite an interesting event. Um, subtitles especially, but yeah, I, I'm kind of uh, I've been looking forward to this episode for a while because I think it, this is our real first discussion episode on strictly jojo we we very much focus on our episodic reviews of jojo but because we have this nice little gap between our part two review series and when part six premieres we can squeeze in a nice discussion episode and what better way to kick off these discussion episodes than with our favorite jojo stands as we transition from the parts of jojo that focus on hamon to the parts of jojo that focus on stands yeah probably because hamon our favorite hamon powers is not such a lucrative discussion <laughs> our favorite hamon in comparison moves. yeah <laughs> sunlight overdrive poor hamon but before we get into our stands our stands i wish we had stands our favorite stands we have to talk about something very very important and that is Netflix Festival Japan 2021, day one, which is titled Anime Day, where we got lots of information about part six. Before we dive into that, though, I do want to bring up the Twitter leaks that happened leading mm. up to this event. I really don't know too much because I actually was avoiding the leaks myself. For anyone who's not caught up, I read the part six manga after finishing part five. It's one of the only manga that I've ever read. Um, it's the only Jojo manga that I've ever read. I just needed to know what Jolene was all about and what happens in her story. And I binged through it in like three days. So I don't remember the finer details. I just remember like the big plot points. Um, but even then, even though I know what happens in part six, I kind of wanted to avoid the Twitter leaks because I, I want to go into the anime as fresh as possible. But what I gathered in general from the Twitter leaks is that some kid whose dad works at Netflix supposedly um, got access to some of the early stuff for part six and just threw up some videos on Twitter of him browsing his dad's, I think, iPad um, on his Netflix account <laughs> and just showed us all of the titles of the first 12 episodes um, that are going to release on Netflix, showed us the um, the images like that show up, like the, the icons or whatever for those episodes, um, even played like just a very brief part of one of the episodes. Um, and we got confirmation on what certain characters are going to look like in the anime version. And it probably spoiled some shit for some non-manga readers. And yeah, it was a whole to-do. This is why you put parental lock on your devices. <laughs> this is why... <laughs> You raise your children to be respectful of what you do at your workplace because I can only imagine the shit that dad is getting at Netflix right now because that that was a major leak. It's funny because you always hear about data breaches and that's how I thought this leak had occurred. But that the fact that it's just some employee's child. Dumbass son. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did they say like how old this kid was? I don't think we know anything about him because I think after like a few hours um, of the Twitter leaks circulating, people were then saying that, oh, the Twitter account that originally had the leaks um, has either been deleted or shut down and all the videos are removed. Mm. So that was probably his dad telling him like, you better fucking delete all that right now or I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah, but then you have the internet screen capping those things. Oh, yeah. It only needs to be on the internet for like a millisecond and it's all over the place. It's done. Like once it's on the internet, you can't ever take it that back. And I think I, you know, cause I've been browsing Twitter um, a lot more recently. And I think I saw a couple leaks. I remember seeing a leak of a character's picture that hasn't appeared in the, in the promotional materials yet. Yeah. I saw that one too. And I think I got a plot point leak to me as well. <laughs> and that was, I like quick, I quickly scrolled past it, but you know, certain things just stick in your mind as much as you try to forget them. And now I am remembering that plot point and kicking myself in the, <laughs> in the foot right now. But yeah, and we won't share what any of the leaks are, obviously, because we don't want to spoil it for you guys. But at Netflix Festival Japan 2021 Anime Day, long title, um, they did share, they reshared the original trailer that was dropped for part six, as well as for, I think they call them character trailers, um, that gave us more insight into, I don't know, scenes or characters from part six. So we always say trailers are fair game. If it's mm -hmm. an anime trailer, I mean, that's publicly available. Um, and it's the whole point of it is to go out and watch it. So that's fair game. So we are going to talk about anything and everything that appeared in the original trailer as well as the four character trailers. If you haven't watched them yet and you want to see them before we talk about them, I guess pause right now, go watch them. They're really short. I think in total, all five of those are probably like five, six minutes. So the character want... trailer is about a minute each and there were four of those yeah so it's it's a quick watch if you want to just jump on youtube and see them but we will be talking a little bit about those um because there's some exciting things in there and just to be clear i've said this before but just in case anyone hasn't heard it before because i've read the part six manga it's not gonna be a situation where i'm spoiling stuff for you guys or for you because mm. i know you'd be pissed mm. at me if i spoiled anything for you <laughs> um i will go into this only talking about anything as always that has appeared in the anime um and i will do my best to not hint at anything um and contain my excitement for things that i i read in part six manga now i know very briefly what it's like to be a manga reader mm -hmm. in this community and you know what props to you guys manga readers for your ability to hold back the spoilers and and kind of keep things pretty minimal in order to not ruin the fun of all the anime viewers because obviously being an anime only person i've been on the receiving end of those spoilers many many times and it sucks well now the dynamic is is going to be different between us because you having read the entire manga and for me i only read up to um the part where i think it's the the, the kid uh with the baseball um yeah, Emporio. Yeah. They announced his, his name in the uh, the trailer. Yeah, that's as far as I read into the manga, and then I just got sidetracked. But earlier this evening, we were watching the character trailers together, and I feel like sometimes your spoiler, or your reactions to what was seen in the trailers are spoilers in themselves. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I, I kind of called you out on that, but again, you didn't reveal anything too drastic. Um but it, it's just funny because now 
like there's this this dynamic between us with watching part six yeah i'll do my best to contain my excitement um but at the same time don't ask me questions because i know you always do that when i've seen something and you haven't you'll like ask a general question and i'll mm-hmm. be like well i'm not gonna answer well, yeah. so I'm spoiled but then i also feel like by not answering i'm confirming your question <laughs> well that's why like, the, the last character trailer we watched there was a key scene at the end of it and i i knew that was an important scene and I knew not to ask you about it <laughs> for that very reason. So we'll both be good on our respective ends to avoid spoilers for everyone tuning in. Um, let's get into what actually was announced at Netflix Festival Japan 2021 Anime Day. Um, the biggest thing is the premiere date for part six. Not Rilakkuma. <laughs> yeah, not, not the not the Rilakkuma who was in the uh, that what do you call it, like a mascot outfit yeah. and was having a very difficult time walking across the stage. Um, <laughs> Yes, so the the premiere date for part six on Netflix is confirmed to be December 1st, 2021. Nani? And as you said, um, somewhere along the lines, I think on Strictly Anime, Christmas is coming early. Yes, it is. <laughs> We're so excited. I did not think... I mean, we all knew it was going to be December. I did not think it was going to be December 1st. Like, they are ready to go um, right off the bat for us. So that is super exciting. Um, however, less exciting is that Netflix is doing a 12-episode drop, which I think Ooh. is dumb. Um, even being a binge watcher, a hardcore binge watcher, I was very much hoping for weekly episodes because there's a sense of community and excitement that that comes along with you know watching things weekly and, and just building that anticipation for the next episode. But yeah, I guess it's a 12-episode drop, um, and it's not going to be... I don't think the show is entirely 12 episodes. Um, I think that's just going to be the first 12 that they have available on Netflix. So we don't know how they're going to handle the remaining episodes, if they're going to do weekly from there or do another 12-episode dump at some point. Um, So that remains to be clarified. Yeah, I guess that's the the trade-off with not having the entire series released. Because I think they... Thinking back to Great Pretender, um, they had done that in two batches, although they called that seasons one and two. And I believe those were actually aired in Japan first, right before they were aired on Netflix? Yes. So that's kind of a, a strange dynamic comparing it to part six's release. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm not thrilled that there's a, a batch release of 12 episodes, but... You know, it's it's Netflix. You have to just take what you get in this case. Yeah, and it's odd because we're getting, we being the U.S., I'm not sure about other countries, um, but the U.S. is getting part six on December 1st. But Japan, where the show originates, <laughs> is mm. not getting anything until I think January. It might be January 1st. Don't quote me on that, but at least January 2022. And they're not getting an episode dump. They're getting... Um, weekly episodes however i'm not entirely sure it it may be netflix japan subscribers can also get everything released early on december 1st i want to walk back a little bit on what i'm saying because i I might be confusing myself i think in general it's going to be on netflix possibly globally on december 1st but then on regular networks um, or whatever network part six is going to air on in japan they won't get it until january 2022 um, hopefully I didn't just confuse everybody. I'm kind of like thinking through it, not having like everything in front of me. Uh, but either way, I it's obvious that Netflix just wants to get people to subscribe to their platform, um, which is a smart marketing decision, but a shitty decision for viewers. Which again, you're just creating more bad blood for the anime community. I feel like that would just make 
people detract from wanting to watch anime on Netflix. Although, unfortunately, Netflix is the exclusive streaming service for jojo at this moment or for part six at least i feel like okay let me just vent really quick netflix like you you're trying to get into the anime game we know this you're pushing it real hard but you constantly make these questionable decisions that make us feel like you you purely see anime as a business which is understandable to a certain degree but you're not considering the way the community operates or what they what they're you know, most excited about. You're not doing it for the culture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're doing it for the cash grab because there's a lot of, you know, money potentially in anime as it becomes more of a mainstream media. Um, so with this whole 12 episode drop and with it being exclusive on Netflix, like couldn't that have been good enough that it's exclusive on your streaming platform for basically the entire world outside of Japan where they'll get it on network in another month or so? Like, why did you have to go a step further and also have like a 12 episode drop um, and just like really change the game in a way that nobody asked for, nobody wanted. I just think it's silly because again, like I'm a hardcore binge watcher. You think that I would be excited by a 12 episode drop, but no, like I love the community of it. I'm so excited to talk about each episode each week with other JoJo fans, but we can't do that because now it's going to be a mad scramble to watch the first 12 episodes. Otherwise you're going to venture on to different platforms to talk about it. And if you haven't watched them all, you're going to get spoiled. Yeah, I think they're just trying to apply this bulk episode release model that has been largely success successful in their other, I guess, genre of sh genres of shows on Netflix to the anime community, and it's not particularly working well. I mean, like I can I can understand it being used for like Stranger Things or The Witcher, right? Because I don't know, I, like those communities are just different, and and it's expected on that end to get bulk releases. But with something as as spectacular as JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, like the, fa the fandom behind it, you want to build up more excitement by making it a weekly release. But obviously it, it Netflix doesn't seem to understand that. I get where you're coming from because in this age of streaming, like on, on the US side of things, like, yeah, you know some shows are coming out. Like I said, like The Witcher is coming out. But these are like singular shows. Anime has like a set seasonal schedule mm -hmm. where we know something's coming out and and we want to kind of go through the motions together versus like when Tiger King, is that, was that the, the documentary? Yeah. Um, when that came out, it was more like people discovered it and they're like, oh, by the way, you should go watch this versus like everyone waiting in anticipation of Tiger King to release mm -hmm. and then talking about it week over week. Like there's not a, dis I, there may be out there, but I highly doubt there's many, you know, discussion boards or forums or posts about tiger king where like the community around tiger king comes to like talk about it it I, probably exists but just nowhere near on the scale of anime fans so to change the model like this it's it's just gonna be weird it's, i don't know it's it's gonna be strange and maybe we're just really adverse to change maybe this will be something that catches on in the future i kind of hope not um but this is what we're getting for part six and we'll see how the rest of the episodes come out just one last note that I had um, with Netflix's bulk release of uh, Part 6's first 12 episodes is that I hope it doesn't compromise the quality of the episodes. Like, I hope that, you know, I'm sure David Production did a spectacular job with JoJo because they know, like, this is kind of like their, their baby, right? They've done Parts 1 through 5 and now 6, and so... I, I trust them fully to carry the story on as faithfully as they have been. 
but you know you have to that has to just linger in the back of your mind with these 12 episodes being released at the same time are there going to be dips in like animation quality because of that although like i think it's been what two years since uh, golden wind came out i think so so hopefully they've had enough time um in that time span to work on part six although i think they were working on other projects as well the one that comes to mind is like cells at work i know they're they've been working on that uh series too but you know i hope my my doubts um can be quelled uh with the release and seeing what the product the final product for uh, stone ocean is going to be on netflix yeah i have i have full faith in david production they're absolutely amazing they're a godsend to jojo um and i we appreciate everything that they do so I have high hopes as well, um, although I'm sure Netflix is throwing a wrench in, in some plans there. But anyway, with the 12-episode drop, we're planning to binge the 12 episodes because why not? Because, you know, mm-hmm. it's JoJo and I'm a binge watcher. And then we'll rewatch each episode in preparation for our Part 6 review series, which is interesting because, um, I guess a little behind the scenes, before we record every episodic review or review episode, we actually watch each JoJo episode, that, that particular JoJo episode twice. So we'll watch it the first time um, and we'll just kind of watch it like plain, just like watch it on screen because it's been a little while since I've last actually like sat down and watched JoJo. So we'll just watch it a single run through and then we'll watch it um, right before going into recording we'll, where we'll type notes or vice versa. Like maybe mm-hmm. we'll type notes the first time we watch it and the second time we just watch it as is on screen to absorb everything that's going on. Um, so yeah, before each review comes out we have watched that particular episode at least two times um and in quick succession so this will be the same thing we'll probably binge the, the first 12 episodes and then go back and re-watch each episode in preparation to review that particular episode um, as mentioned before we're moving to a weekly podcast schedule for the entirety of the stone ocean review series here on strictly jojo so instead of every other monday you'll be getting new episodes of um, strictly jojo every single monday until we complete part six, um, at which point we'll switch back to bi-weekly in preparation for our part three review. Ooh, this is going to be a busy winter. Yes, because we also have Attack on Titan weekly mm-hmm. review episodes over at Strictly <laughs> Anime, um, plus our regular Strictly Anime um, weekly schedule. So it's going to be intense, but we're, we're excited about it because, I mean, to be able to have a review series on Stone Ocean and a review series on the final part of Attack on Titan, that's going to be pretty epic. Yes, very epic indeed. So let's talk a little bit about the character trailers that came out um, because I do want to touch on these. And honestly, I mean, you saw my reaction when we were watching them earlier today. I felt like I was going to vomit watching them because I was so fucking excited and not because of the manga just in general i'm so fucking excited for stone ocean for jolene for jotaro to to come back like i i can't wait like i'm so excited for this to drop on december 1st yeah i mean me i was just glad to see jolene fully animated it and finally getting to see daddy jotaro in all his glory and his tall fucking yeah can we just (laughs) let's start off with that that's the first thing i need to address because that is like a crime. I don't understand what is going on with Jotaro's hat. And if you haven't seen it, just search it on Twitter. Just type in Jotaro's hat and like people have been talking about it like crazy because for no reason at all, his hat is so tall. I think it's just the camera angle or like the perspective of the shot. But it's just funny how people have graduated from wondering 
where Jotaro's hair and his hat like blend in um, to why the fuck his hat is as tall as uh, Doug Demodome's hat. <laughs> <laughs> the memes were great. There were some people who were like taking the shot of Jotaro and his hat and like just extending it so fucking tall or removing the hat altogether and like imagining or redrawing what would be underneath. Like somebody <laughs> put like his his head basically as like a skinhead, but his like skull just goes really high up. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but I'm sure you'll find it if you look it up on Twitter. Um, they're just absolutely hilarious. It's like um, it's now rivaling that Polnareff meme of how tall his hair is. Um, I've like there's a shot um, of them putting those two like Jotaro's hair or his hat together with Polnareff's hair. And it's just very <laughs> tall. Well, that aside, um, it was really cool seeing all of Jotaro's parts. Well, his parts, like his parts in the trailers. Um, Daisuke Ono sounds phenomenal. Mm -hmm. He sounds just as good as he did in the other parts of JoJo. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and Jotaro looks good because there's some daddy. janky. Yeah, he's a zaddy. Um, <laughs> there's some janky shots of him, or just sometimes in the manga, he looked a bit off. And I, I think they did a really good job with his character design in the anime. Like he just looks like Jotaro because there, you look at Jotaro from part five, like that quick scene that he's in, and you just like don't feel like he looks like Jotaro, right? Like he just doesn't, he doesn't he's like, look uh, like Jotaro. A discount Jotaro. And like I get he's skinny because that's the character design that they went for, or at least like more slender. But it's not even that. It's like his face just doesn't look like Jotaro but here it does look like him it, it's great I, I think that they did a really good job yeah I think they blended part five's animation style with I guess Jotaro's big personality from part three uh, very well in his part six appearance that's that's the best way I can and look at it and describe it and you can correct me if I'm wrong but do they actually use the manga colors for Jotaro's um, character model? E yes. I'm checking now because I don't want to be incorrect. Because um, I remember like that part of the manga I read. Um, yes. Is, he has the purple hat and With and the green jacket. and the gold. Yeah, that that's his exact um, color scheme. It's interesting. I, I think, it, yeah, it is interesting because they don't always follow the exact color scheme from the manga. Actually, Jotaro's outfit from part three is a bit different than the like, color wise is different, but also mm -hmm. design wise, um, there are some differences from the manga to the anime, but I think they stayed pretty faithful to uh, Jotaro's part six outfit, especially with the fucking snakeskin pant shoes. <laughs> like it's one whole thing. It's just pants with shoes attached and he just slips right in i guess um so that's pretty faithful i think there are some differences though maybe with anasui's if i'm saying that correctly um anasui's character design and i think that might be really it i think everyone else is still pretty faithful sorry I, i'm re-watching uh jotaro's character trailer and i see the tall hat it's, it's just so <laughs> it's just very tall like it's for no reason it's it's proportionally off but uh but yeah, we'll see if that ends up staying like that in the actual show. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, I'm just really excited that we got a taste of Weather Report in one of the character trailers, like an actual like moment between Jolene and Weather Report. Um, I won't say anything about who he is or, or you know what's going on with him, but I love Weather Report. He's probably one of my favorite characters from Part Six, and I'm even more excited for him because 
He has, um, he's voiced by one of my favorite voice actors, which is Yuichiro Umehara. He's kind of new to the game, but he's gained a lot of traction. Like he's, he just kind of came out of nowhere um, in the anime world. And now he's doing all these amazing, um, he has all these amazing characters. He was in Fruits Basket. Um, he was in, he was Sniper Mask in. Uh, oh, that's right. What was that, that anime? High Rise Invasion. Yeah, High Rise Invasion. Um, I first got introduced to him because he's courier in Akudama Drive. So yeah, he's just gotten a lot of traction recently, and it's great to see that he's playing Weather Report because I think he's, I love his voice just in general, but it's also a great fit for that character. Oh, he was also Goblin Slayer in Goblin Slayer. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just ruined that character for you. Yeah, he just or has that like, <laughs> he has a really nice voice. Probably one of my favorite voices like to listen to in anime so yeah i'm a big fan of his um we got snippets of emporio we had character trailers for hermes and foo fighters and of course jolene had her own character trailer and everything about her is absolutely perfect and emporio he's wearing a a baseball jersey right uh, and yes. it's a is it is a Cubs baseball jersey? Is that right? I think unofficially. <laughs> well, yes. of course they can't. You know, you have, they have to avoid the copyright. But I remember that part of the manga. I was like, hey, yep. the Cubs are a JoJo reference. For any uh, for anyone who I guess is less familiar with us, we are a house um, divided. We're a house divided. We are out here in Chicago, and Chicago has two baseball teams. On the north side, you have the Cubs, and on the south side, you have the White Sox. I am a White Sox fan, and Carl is a Cubs fan, so you're the lucky one who gets to say (laughs) that the Cubs are a fucking JoJo reference. (laughs) That was just great, like seeing that, um, or reading that part of the manga and seeing Emporio in that baseball jersey. I don't know if it's like... So I've never looked into it, right? Because I'm, I'm a Sox fan. I'm not a, a Cubs fan. Um, so I don't know how legitimate it is that he, like, he's wearing a Cubs outfit, or if Araki just saw that and wanted to wanted to design it around the Cubs symbol. Um, but I mean, the the resemblance is uncanny, and right? Like you yeah. being from Chicago, like you immediately think, shit, that's a Cubs outfit. And I'm looking at uh, Emporio's character design. Uh, yeah, it's it's the Cubs colors, and even um, on his uniform itself like uh, on his uh, jersey it looks like the actual cubs logo which i don't know how they're going to get around that but well i don't know i don't know either well maybe <laughs> some uh some homework for you if you'd be interested since you are a diehard cubs fan <laughs> you should research it I'm, I'm sure people have asked the question or maybe iraqi has given some insight into you know Emporio's character design. I'd like to know if there, if it legitimately is modeled off of the Cubs uniform, and if so, why Araki picked that team of all teams when he kind of picked the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> I just found an article that says, "Why is that kid from Stone Ocean wearing a Cubs uniform?" <laughs> so well, I yeah. will report back. Thank you. We we'll we'll talk about that. Hey, actually, we should talk about it on um, our first review episode of Stone Ocean because most likely Emporio will probably make an appearance. The first episode? Yeah. On December 6th, our first oh. <laughs> our first review episode of Stone Ocean will be released. So maybe we could talk about it then. All right. Anything else you want to call out from the character trailers? There's a lot that we could talk about, um, but I'm hesitant to do so from my end just because I don't want to uh, allude to any spoilers. Um, 
yeah, like I said, the I only have limited knowledge of these characters uh, because of where I stopped in the manga. So I don't know much about Hermes, although she has a very interesting character design. Um, I don't know much about Foo Fighters. I it, Like her design, it just looks like she has a cracked eggshell on her head um, that's just colored green. <laughs> and <laughs> I showed you, like, it, it's almost like a cursed image of her where... Um, in her character trailer, which I think uh, she she shares with Hermes, um, there's a scene where she like uh, whips her head to to another uh, direction, and there's like an in between animation shot where it, she just looks straight on, and it's just very cruelly drawn. I think it's one like I said, it's it's one of those in between shots, so you don't see it unless you like you freeze it at the right time. Um, but it's just so wonky looking. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It does look a bit odd. Her like nose and mouth seem like they're facing a different direction than her eyes. Which it's okay. Like <laughs> you need you need some of those frames just to fill in. All right. Well, we could probably fill an entire podcast episode on what we saw in uh, this Netflix event about Part Six. But let's move on to the topic at hand, which is our favorite JoJo stand. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about this, Um, as we do with a lot of our discussion episodes where we list stuff. um, We usually stick to about three to five, and I have five here on my list that are are in my favorites. What about you? I had four, and there's an honorable mention. I won't know. I don't know if I'll bring it up, but... You should. We can save it till the very end, or do whatever order you want, because really, these lists are in no particular order. Um, I didn't want to like list my top five favorite and then like number them because I don't really know like how I would rank them. It's not really a ranking in general, but I do have one that I think might be my favorite. So I'll, I'll mention that as well. But yeah, these are in no particular order. These are just some of our, our most notable or some of our favorite stands that we've come across in the JoJo anime. So I'll go first since I have sure. one more than you do. Yeah, I'm curious if we'll have any like crossover we might i feel like my list is gonna be very different than yours but i feel like there will be at least some crossover you're probably gonna have like a majority part four stands and i I... (laughs) okay to be fair i personally think that part four has some of the best stands in jojo it's not to say that there aren't really good stands from other parts but just when you look at so i pulled up um on the jojo wiki page i pulled up the list of stands when you just look at them holistically like the part three part four and part five stands I think part four has some of the coolest and best stands just in, in like in general. I mean, you look at like Killer Queen, Sheer Hard Attack, and Bites the Dust. I mean, that stand is technically three stands in one. <laughs> That's probably the only stand that I remember from part four because <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for part four lovers out there. That part was largely unfor- or forgettable for me. Oh, Diamond, I love part Diamond four. Diamond is forgettable. <laughs> no, I love part four. Well, We'll dive into it more when we finally reach our part four review series. But to start off this list, um, I guess ironically, my first one is Crazy Diamond, mm-hmm. which is Josuke Higashikata's stand from part four, Diamond is Unbreakable. I love Crazy Diamond um, for, for several reasons. I, From a practicality standpoint, Crazy Diamond is one of the few healing stands in JoJo where it can repair any item or person by reversing or undoing damage, basically by punching it. <laughs> like it doesn't touch, you know, touch your broken arm to heal it. It punches your your broken arm and then undoes the damage and heals it that way. Like why is it got to punch everything? 
But as Jotaro establishes in part four, it cannot bring people back from the dead. And that's, I guess, a bit frustrating for Josuke for reasons we won't mention. <laughs> um, but one of the other things that I love about its ability is actually the sound design around it. That noise that plays when Crazy Diamond punches something and undoes damage or heals it, I think is such a cool sound. The sound is kind of like a reverse noise, like a like a sparkly reverse noise is how I would describe it. Almost like broken glass being reverted. Um, so it's not broken. Unbroken. Any- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's such a cool sound. Like, I just need to hear that sound, like many sounds in JoJo, because JoJo has fantastic sound design. And I can immediately say, yes, that's Crazy Diamond healing somebody or reversing damage. Um, and then to add to that, of course, is Josuke's which is when Crazy Diamond goes on the offensive by punching people. So similar to Star Platinum, Crazy Diamond is a short range strength um, type of stand. And I think it, its strength is pretty comparable to Star Platinum. Yeah. I, I just love the the too. Yeah, like, I think it, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's, I would call it actually third um, to my favorite stand cries. Stand uh, cries? I yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what, what, what you would call that sound. Um, but there's just something very satisfying about hearing the da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, it's great. It's it's addicting. Um, it, of course, belongs to one of my favorite JoJo's, Josuke. Mm. And I think just design-wise, Crazy Diamond has got to be one of the least menacing stands in all of JoJo with that fucking heart motif and the fact that he's, like, bright pink. If you look at his head, like... It's like if you took Polnareff's hair and then solidified it into a heart shape. It's just the (laughs) weirdest fucking head. And then it has the most kawaii blue eyes. Like the eye design is probably one of my favorite parts about um, Crazy Diamond. And I think you're probably looking up a picture of it, right? Yeah, I'm looking at the manga um, appearance of Crazy Diamond. So I have to look at the anime version now. I think the eyes are pink in the manga. But in the anime, it's, uh, its eyes are blue. But if you just look at its eyes compared to like the world or compared to like Star Platinum or really any other stand, it has such kind and like nice eyes. Just like really cute eyes, doesn't it? It's kind of like, I guess, the the negative version of the world, if you think about it. Because <laughs> they look pretty similar, I would say, too. Like, it just has, like, really round and, like, like bubbly eyes. I don't know. Like, it's hard to describe. Go look at a picture. But, yeah, I think if you look at it compared to every other fucking stand, it just has, like, the cutest eyes. And it doesn't make sense for a stand that, like, punches you a lot. Um, and to top it all off, I think maybe even better than the fact that it has cute eyes, is that it's wearing a literal G-string thong. It has a fucking thong on. Like, you know what? Star Platinum has a loincloth, fine, but he's still pretty covered up compared to what fucking Crazy Diamond is wearing. If you just look up a video or find a back-end shot of Crazy Diamond, it is literally wearing a G-string thong so deep in its ass crack. And on the front (laughs) is like a, a heart, like a heart emblem right at the belt buckle area. It's... It's so weird for something that's supposed to be really powerful and really useful. It is shattering the standards of stand fashion. (laughs) It is the most eccentric and sexy stand out there, I guess you could say. (laughs) And it belongs to Josuke. And the way Josuke is, I'm not surprised that Crazy Diamond looks the way it it does. As Jotaro mentions, I think at some point um, in the Jojo anime, 
stands are a manifestation of who you are on the inside so yeah. there you go <laughs> so maybe it's josuke's desire to, to wear, wear a g-string <laughs> probably i wouldn't doubt it <laughs> so for one of my favorite jojo stands um i'll take a page from your first one as my stand is also from a jojo protagonist and that is gold experience uh, whose stand user is Giorno Giovanna from Part 5, Golden Wind. And I would say he kind of has a similar ability to Crazy Diamond in terms of like healing, right? But it, it's slightly different. Um, looking at the, the JoJo Wiki, they call it Life Giver, um, where he can generate like life energy um, into anything that it touches. Um, so it's, it's almost like this is Hamon revisited in a stand. I think people kind of attribute that to the fact that Jorno is like half John. Okay, depending on what camp you're in, he can be considered <laughs> Jonathan's kid, Dio's kid, or like a combo of the two. Um, I think this is kind of taking from the Jonathan side of things because in Jonathan's first moments of gaining Hamon from Zapelli, he's holding onto that tree branch. And mm -hmm. just through having Hamon, he... He creates floral buds on the tree almost immediately. And I think this is kind of that same essence of Jonathan's Hamon abilities is creating that life. Not only that, um, as another part one reference, I think in the first episode uh, where we see uh, Jorno use gold experience, he creates something into a frog. Right? Like the frog's <laughs> a pelly punch, maybe? Yeah. Um, so no coincidence there, I suppose. Um, other than that, like I mentioned that, uh, Crazy Diamond's Stand Cry was my third favorite. My first one obviously being, um, Star Platinum's Aura. Uh, but I actually, like, I really love Gold Experience's Stand Cry, which is just the, the Muda 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 Muda. The seven page Muda. Right. <laughs> and I think that's part of why I love it so much is that, um, I remember we watched, what's the, uh. Kensho Ono is the voice actor for uh, Giorno and watching him do, I don't think it was the seven page Muda, but just watching him do the Muda, I think it was, it was when he was with Koichi and they were like fighting a stand user. That was mm, the scene that he, okay. I believe he had reenacted. Um, but it's just funny because he has to like kind of smile while he does it with like his teeth gritted. Um, but it, it's just so satisfying to hear. And obviously like Muda was uh, a word that Dio used. So it's an homage to, I guess, his his other father. And actually, fun fact, I'm wearing a T-shirt that also says oh, Muda yeah. on it. <laughs> you are wearing it. <laughs> there you Which go. Was, I, I didn't realize until we were about to start this podcast. Um, but I think what I also love the most about gold experience is when it enters its requiem mode and it kind of it i think it keeps that ability of you know creating life and it, it that obviously becomes useful with um, bucciarati's journey because we find out it was i think giorno who like he had used the stand to to save bucciarati in his initial fight against um king crimson and that kept him alive for a bit. But um, I love how, like, when Gold Experience enters his Requiem mode, it 
becomes sort of this antithesis to the like the abilities that King Crimson has. And uh, that's one thing that I love about part five as a whole is that there's this really pressing theme of like fate and destiny and time um, that you really see with Jorno's uh, stand um, gold experience. And this kind of plays into a, another stand in part five that was one of my favorites um, that I'll be explaining later. Who did it better? Dio or Jorno with the Muda? In your opinion, mm, I would have to say Giorno because oh. we we hear it a lot more. The only one um, instance that I remember of Dio using it so significantly is when he's about to throw those knives at Jotaro. Not the oro oro muda 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 oro oro muda muda when they're fighting like they're doing a fist fight against each <laughs> oh, other yeah. in the climax of part three. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, I forgot about that part, but I think I only remember the, the, the knife-throwing one because there's a YouTube, like, sh- like shitpost video um, that combines Dio's Muda with the Thomas the Tank Engine song. Oh, you yeah. That? <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, the, the standout scene for Gold Experience's uh, Muda Cry is the seven-page Muda, which I've watched that scene on YouTube so many times and just the intensity of it like gives me chills especially like it, it's not the muda part but like when he does the re like it's so almost heart-wrenching like you can hear it in the back of his throat there's a lot of emotion in that re yeah re or whatever yeah the, the do re um so yeah I, I would have to give credit to gold experience more for for the muda cry Next on my list is yet another stand from part four and just might be my favorite stand of all time. I don't want to like give that title away just yet because we're about to embark on the part six journey, but I really, really love this stand. And that is Rohan Kishibe's Heaven's Door. I was not expecting that. I love it. I think it's just such a clever stand and it's, it's so unique, I think, compared to a lot of the other stands that we see because this stand is not a combat stand at all. It's it's extremely useful and arguably one of the most OP stands in a non-combat way. Um, before I get into that, though, I want to touch on the character design or the, the stand design here. It looks so regal. A lot of stands either have like, you know, half naked dudes um, or like chicken heads or, you know, there's like weird creature. But here you just have like what's almost a a boy of sorts in a very regal design um, and is not wild or over the top compared to a lot of other stands. It's wearing like a long coat and a top hat and just like the the facial um, design, I guess it has the gold and everything against the white just does look very, very regal um, and very I don't know, put together. So I think it, it's just visually a, a very unique stand. But going back to the combat or non-combat piece of it, I, again, I think that it's arguably one of the most OP stands because it can not only read any part of someone's memories, personality, or physical attributes with complete accuracy and, and complete truth, but it can also control actions by writing any command in the like book face. I'm not going to say Facebook, but in the book face that it creates when it like dives into somebody's, um, I guess, memories or into their their being. 
Um, for example, Rohan writes in Koichi's book face that he's fluent in Italian before Koichi travels to Italy oh, in part right. five. Obviously, we don't see that, but Koichi mentions that in, I think, the first episode of um, Golden Wind. And then Rohan can also theoretically, and may actually do so in part four, I can't remember, um, can theoretically at least write that someone cannot cause him any harm and make himself somewhat invincible uh, against that person because they are physically now in, incapable of doing anything against him because he's written so in their being. So I just think it's it's such a strong stand. You might not be able to fight with it, but you can do a hell of a lot of other stuff with it. Just a very manipulative stand. Hell yeah. And like Jotaro said, stands are manifestations of one's inner self. So it's very fitting that Rohan's stand, you know, being a manga artist, is a stand that has his book motif um, and can allow him to almost use people as, as subjects in, in his um, in his work, in his manga, which he tries to do with Koichi in the beginning of part four. So yeah, I, I think that if, if Heaven's Door is not my favorite stand of all time, it's definitely up there, um, which is why which is why it's on this favorites list. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so my next one, this might come as a surprise to you, is actually a stand from part four. Whoa, <laughs> you like part four? <laughs> yeah, and it comes from the only episode that I really love from part four and the only one that I really remember from part four and that is the episode featuring Pearl Jam uh, from the stand user Chef Tonio Trussardi. I think I just love this stand not only because it's my favorite episode of part four because you, you see it's just Josuke and Okuyasu going to a restaurant and Okuyasu is just enjoying the shit out of the food and he's like writhing in pain because of like the health benefits that he subsequently gets from the food but i think it's just like that cooking aspect of it um as you've mentioned stands are just a manifestation of one spirit um so with with tonio being a chef of course he's going to use it in his culinary experiments and i think the aspect of it being able to i guess enhance the specific nutrients or health benefits of an ingredient um, to the point where it can cure body ailments is so fascinating, especially because I'm not a cook by any means. <laughs> um, so I would love to just use this ability. Even if my cooking is the shittiest thing, it can transform it into something spectacular that even Okoyasu can eat. And then allow him to to just scratch all the skin off of his body until it his skin replenishes anew <laughs> <laughs> no I, that's what i was mentioning with crazy diamond um being one of the few stands that has a healing ability pearl jam is another one of those and i yeah i love everything about pearl jam i love everything about chef tonio i love everything about that episode i agree it's one of the best episodes of part four um what would you say is like the gnarliest like experience that okuyasu has during that meal i think for me it's when he's scratching his shoulder and like, the dead say, skin yeah. the ball of dead skin um fucking like just comes out of nowhere and he's just like holding it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's like i don't know it's it's, it's something about it. like it's not i don't know it, it shouldn't be gross but it just kind of is all this flaky skin just going everywhere it's so weird and i'm sure i'm pretty sure like most of it was censored in the version that we watched which is dumb yeah um but even like you can s i remember seeing like the gaping hole in okuyasu's shoulder 
and even with it censored that just grossed like the shit out of me <laughs> but it's just funny because like after that like he, he feels brand new yeah he and he just great. has a, like a funny ass look on his face <laughs> um and i think i also just like the stand because this one's not necessarily something that you can use um as like a like a assault move or like it's a non combat yeah, yeah not a non combative move so this is Almost on the level of like a like a quirk in my hero, where you can use it in everyday life without having to be like a the protagonist hero in your own story. My next favorite stand comes from part five, Golden Wind. Hmm. I'm sure you know exactly what this is because you know I like to quote this um the stand user all the time and that is <laughs> sticky fingers who belongs really? to <laughs> yeah <laughs> what do you mean really who belongs to that. bruno Bucciarati, um the best mom in jojo and that's a big part of the reason why i love sticky fingers so much is because it's Bucciarati's stand and i love that he calls out sticky fingers zipper man no <laughs> <laughs> we don't do zipper man here okay i just love i love Bucciarati's cry um when it says sticky fingers i also love the ari 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 arrivederci i'm oh, sorry for yeah. anyone who's italian and is you know cringing at my terrible pronunciation <laughs> but yeah I, I love sticky fingers largely because of Bucciarati. Um, but also, sound design-wise, the zipper noise is extremely satisfying. Like, zipper noises in general aren't satisfying, but this particular, you know, sound design is very, very satisfying whenever he uses his zipper ability. And as a combat stand, there's a lot more two sticky fingers. I, I feel like the um, its combat abilities are far more complex than, like, a star platinum where he's just fucking punching or using star finger and, like, poking someone from a, from a distance. I feel like with sticky fingers, because of the zipper ability, um, it can unzip itself, unzip others, unzip even the environment to dismantle things or kind of like essentially teleport or hide. Bucciarati hides a lot in um, some of the zippers <laughs> that he, he makes, which is so smart. So not only is it good at combat, it's good at evasive maneuvers as well. Um, and Bucciarati uses it in very, very unique ways. Um, using the zipper to like launch things back at people, or I think there's that one part. I don't know if it was on the like on the train with the Pesci episode. Um, but Bucciarati unzips his own heart in order to um, avoid being like detected by somebody. Yeah, do you remember I, that part? I don't remember I, what episode I that do. was. It was. I think it was on the train. Um, but yeah, I remember it. It was like such a clever way of using this um this stand. And I don't know, I just, I love the design too. There's something about the silver and blue that, um, I think that's the color scheme that they use for Sticky Fingers in the manga as well. But yeah, the, the, the blue and silver color scheme is great. And like just the, the zippers that it has on, on itself. And he looks so good paired with Bucciarati because, I mean, Bucciarati in the manga has blue hair, but I think in the anime his hair is black. But he's got that white suit with the, the little black dot things. Um, and like the gold, uh, the gold pieces on there as well. And the two of them just look, they look sexy together. Stand user and stand look so great together. <laughs> yeah. I would say, uh, sticky fingers is a very versatile stand. Um, to your point, like it, I don't know if you could classify it as long range or short range. It does have some long range attacks. Um, I think I was looking at a clip. I think it's when they're fighting 
Pesci. That's maybe? the melon head guy. Yeah, the guy with, with no fisher. like with like no chin, a good just like neck, like head <laughs> to neck. Yeah, basically. He has the, the fishing rod. Yeah, right? um, I think there's a part where Sticky Fingers unzips his own hand mm-hmm. to essentially do like a zoom punch that like Jonathan or Joseph does, but like from a far, uh, from a much greater distance. So he like launches his fist basically at Pesci's face using the unzip move. Yeah, and I think that's one of my favorite scenes to to rewatch too because that's where also you hear the adi 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 um but not only that like you said i think it's fascinating that he can also use the stand to like hide away in things and um i that just makes me wonder like what the world inside those zippers looks like i don't know if we've i don't remember if we've seen that um in the anime uh, or if it, <laughs> I think of like the fly of despair from it's, SpongeBob. It's kind of like this weird swirly world. I don't know if it's like a dimension or if it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I'm looking at a picture right now and it's just like some swirly stuff in there. Hmm. <laughs> so I don't know what what's in there or like where he, like where Bucciarati goes when he closes the zipper. <laughs> oh, it, it's just fine. But I think that's what's also really cool about Sticky Fingers is it has even though it's focused on this like zipper-like ability, um, it can be used in various ways. So my third, or the third of my favorite um, JoJo stands uh, also comes from part five, and I mentioned that briefly before, uh, and it's King Crimson, uh, whose stand user is Diavolo, or Dopio, depending on how you look at it. Dopio. Um, I'm terrified of how this stand looks, though. It's, it's so the, fucking yeah. ugly. <laughs> it's the creepiest. I, w- I would say it's the creepiest looking stand um, out of all of them right now, um, because it has like the the piercing green eyes, and then it just has a smaller version of its head <laughs> on its forehead, which like, also have like piercing green eyes, yeah, little beady eyes. Like watching it in the anime was just. It was slightly, um, slightly disturbing, but I like it more so for its its ability to uh, manipulate time, which I think like the the JoJo Wiki calls it time erasure, um, which is like its ability to adjust actions in a ten second period, and then it has this other ability called Epitaph, which I think a lot like from that's acquired from I guess Dopio's use of the stand. Um, which he, he can like forecast things ten seconds into the future. Um, so obviously, like that, that, those abilities combined, you can do whatever you want with time. It's it reminds me of that scene in Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Um, just to bring back that conversation, which you can find on the Strictly pre-show if you become a Patreon user. Um, that scene in Spider Man where I think he's fighting Flash, and then his 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 sense of time slows down because of his spider sense and he's able to avoid flash's punches. <laughs> you flash. I just love that his name is flash. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's basically this ability. Um, and I also look at it more so as like an application in my everyday life. The one time I can remember where this stand could have been useful is when I was washing dishes and I had broken one of your favorite mugs oh no because <laughs> i think it, it slipped out of my hand or something so if i were to go back to that moment and if i had king crimson's ability i would love for a time to have slowed down and then just whip my hand under the mug to catch it in time 
<laughs> or if you had the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, w- the world is cool, but I just love that. I think King Crimson has more ability to manipulate time than the world. It's a much more unique way of manipulating time. Yeah. And actually, all... Okay, wait, let me let me think about this. I could be wrong. All of the villains that have stand abilities are all time-based. Like the, yes, the main the, villains? Yes, uh, that we've gotten to, through so far in the anime. They're all time-based, right? Including uh, Kira's? Yeah, so the world has um, stopping time. Mm-hmm. Kira's killer queen bites the dust, reverses time. Remember? Because um, he sticks Hayato in that time loop. Oh, that's right. And the the stupid OP where he yeah. reverses everything. <laughs> and then King Crimson erases chunks of time or rather like just like kind of skips ahead yeah. in time. I think it's kind of like fast forwarding to a moment without seeing the fast forward. Yeah. You like in a blink of an eye, you've skipped ahead 10 yeah. seconds or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, so far in the JoJo anime, all main villains have had time-based hmm stand abilities interesting but i think the other thing i mentioned this too is why i love king crimson stand ability so much is that again it thematically intertwines with what happens with uh giorno's gold experience uh requiem um this concept of like again time versus fate because i think king crimson or diavolo wanted to get the stand arrow t- in order to turn his stand into like the Requiem version where he would have like this almost omnipotent use of time. Is that right? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since I've uh, watched part five. Um, but then obviously Jorno gets to it for or first before him, uses that to create um, gold experience Requiem. And then that just sticks King Crimson into this eternal time loop. Or I guess Diavolo into this uh, eternal time loop, and I think that's like part of why I love Part Five so much. Like I, I would consider it my second favorite part out of JoJo is just because there are so many themes that are explored in Part Five, specifically around again, fate and time, um, more so than the other parts. Because it's it's cool that like you mentioned that a lot of the the big villains in uh, JoJo that have their stands are all based around time, but part five really focuses on that and gives it more meaning. Which is interesting because I think part five takes place in a span of seven days. Oh. Doesn't it? I think it only takes like yeah. a week to go through the story. It's very short because it's, it's just escorting Trish and then they find out the reason why and then... I, I believe it's seven. Yeah, I think it's seven days. Um, and also I'm looking at the JoJo wiki for King Crimson and I just learned that Dopio's first name is Vinegar. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> they don't say that in part five, right? Because I've mm. never heard that his name, that Dopio's name is Vinegar. Maybe. Or first I'm, name is Vinegar. Yeah, yes. I, don't, yeah, I'm not I mean, I know sure. they're all, I know the theme in part five is food um, or people like named after food, but I had no idea that his first name was Vinegar. What the fuck? <laughs> my next stand that's on my favorites list comes from part four. No, I'm sorry. Part five, <laughs> Golden Wind, and that is Sex Pistols. Of course. Who is Guido Mista's stand. And I love Mista. I love him so, so much. He's kind of like the Polnareff of part 
five and I love Paul Nareff. I just love those kinds of characters, like the goofy character. Um, and Mista is just like, he's, he's so good. Um, but Sex Pistols is really cool because they're one of the few stands that can communicate. And I don't, I'm trying to think of another stand that can communicate and I can't think of one, like verbally communicate. With the stand user? Or just like, yeah, or just in general. I mean, with other stand users too. Mm. Can you think of any off the top of your head that, that talk to you? Not, not anything. Yeah, I think Spice Girl, Spice Girl like talks to Trish like once. I don't think it actually communicates with people. Uh, I'm looking really quick here to see if I like any jump out at me. Um, part four. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers talks, but I feel like that's actually the stand user talking. Mm-hmm. It's not like a sentient stand. If I guess sentient is the correct word. What the hell? I think it is it the only stand that talks? Well, Death 13 from part three. That's through the stand user though. Mm, That's technically okay. the baby talking um, <laughs> to like Kakioyan and stuff. Um, I feel like judgment's the same way. I think it's the stand user talking through. I think because like Sex Pistols has conversations with Mista. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I, okay, I could be wrong. Someone, someone reach out or maybe I need to do some research here. Um, when I have a chance, but I think it's one of the few, if not the only stand so far in the JoJo anime that can actually hold a conversation and like think on its own and like be sentient. But yeah, that's one of the reasons I, I find it so fascinating. Um, I also love that it's technically multiple stands kind of wrapped into one. I love the dynamic between the six numbers. And yes, there are six bullets, even though they're numbered up to seven because there's no number four because Mista hates the number four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that each one has a different personality, kind of like, Snow White, like the oh, seven, yeah, seven, the seven dwarves, dwarves have yeah. their own personalities. I feel like it's the same concept here. Um, and the stands themselves can't do much, although they always try to find ways to be useful to Mista, like relaying messages for him because, again, they can converse um, or acting on his behalf, like if he's about to go unconscious or if he's you know close to dying. But really, they do their best work when Mista uses his pistol, helping him reload the bullets that he like whips out of his hat, <laughs> which is just so weird. <laughs> and then, of course, guiding his bullets to their targets in like very crazy and unique ways. So it's taking something like a weapon that's already decently useful and just amplifying its use because now your 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 bullets are like ninety nine percent gonna hit the target while they're screaming at you that they're hungry. <laughs> oh yeah got to and yeah if they cooperate with you yeah and like do do any other stands require sustenance because the the pistols do mm. or the numbers or whatever whatever you call them they all they require food remember mista yeah. takes a, a moment to feed them lunch because like if they're if they're hungry they're not going to do like a good job <laughs> yeah true because usually it's just like this your stand strength or weakness is just based on your own spirits yeah like stamina at that point here it's like it's a combination of mista's own like life force as well as a lot of cold cuts and cheese <laughs> <laughs> and all the other stuff that that's good from italy Mista, i love them i love the sex pistols um and i love mista and so my last favorite jojo stand and i would say this is probably the laziest out of my list and maybe the laziest out of all the stands out there it's actually from part three, and that is the sun uh, who stands. Okay, wait, user. I'm going to stop you right here. Star <laughs> Platinum is not on your favorites? I'm surprised. I, I mm. was betting that Star Platinum was going to be on your favorites. No, it, it's not. I, I love, like, Jojo Toro is my favorite JoJo. Um, 
and star platinum like it has its moments obviously like it's the like really strong stand with its aura aura and its its punching ability um and i guess like its time stopping ability but <laughs> that, that's what makes it so so funny is that like star platinum just like joe turtle claims that it's has the same ability as as another stand and user. it just suddenly can do that yeah that's the meme now right it's the same it's the same ability as star platinum <laughs> yeah um but yeah i love joe throw star platinum is just an okay stand for me but yeah it's the sun um stand user is arabia fat and he's probably like the laziest stand user out there right because it he was just projecting things from like behind a, a, a mirror Right, or he was hiding it, behind a mirror. Yeah, yeah. He, he, hiding behind the mirror and then using his stand to try and stop the the Stardust Crusaders. Um, so he could have won against the Stardust Crusaders um, by giving them heat stroke and letting them die of, of heat exhaustion. But it was just because of that mirror that he got, was ultimately stopped. Although that gave us one of the best scenes in Part 3 where everyone's just laughing hysterically at the mistake. <laughs> um but yeah i would just use that like again in everyday life if if someone if there was someone that wanted to come up to me and i didn't really want to see them i would just hide behind a computer screen or a mirror and just reflect the sun back on them so they would just back off (laughs) (laughs) what do you think is a, a more lazy stand um the sun or the rock from part five i don't remember what what the official name is didn't you say it was like Rolling Stones? Rolling or, Stones, yeah, 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 yeah Rolling Stones. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's the namesake is Rolling Stones. Yeah, I guess if it, the, the stone is just there, like you, if you touch it, then like that's it for you or something, right? Yeah, I think it's like yeah, you die in some way. Mm. But I mean, the sun will like you know cook you, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more lethal, I guess, and you don't have to put much effort into it in that case also, Wait, we, don't, the... we don't know if rolling stones even has a stand user like it could be just like a mm-hmm. stand like i think there's a couple of them like that where it's just a stand without a user yeah or even that like the alien from part four i think it's it's doubtful if he had a stand ability or if that was just like one of his actual like his own alien ability mm-hmm. but yeah i would i would still say the sun because I guess with the stone, you have to be tempted to go up to to touch it, right? And with, but with the sun, it's literally it's literally just there. Yeah, it, like minimum effort in that case to to get rid of your enemy. Well, I'm surprised. <laughs> I I did not think that that would be on your favorites. I've never heard you talk about the stand. I mean, the the episode is like phenomenal, and we've talked about that many times. But I don't think I've ever heard you talk about the sun. Oh, I just love it because it again, it, it's just lazy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the last one on my favorites list um, is going to be a little more uh, predictable or, or not as surprising, I guess. And that is from part three, Stardust Crusaders, Dio Stand, The World. Oh, wow. I love it. I, I think, it, yeah, maybe it's really cliche to like the world, but it's it's the fucking world and it's Dio's fucking stand. I mean, how, how do you how do you not love the world? Um, just like Star Platinum, it's a close range stand with extremely powerful punches you got that muda 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 mm-hmm. whether you you consider that better or journal's better um it also of course has the time stopping ability and again the sound design here is amazing when the world or star platinum stops time just that same kind of rewind noise but very different than crazy diamonds rewind noise 
I can't even describe it. It's just like, it's a fantastic sound that you immediately associate with the world or with Star Platinum, the world. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's a great stand. It's just perfect for um, for Dio. The, the outfit even looks like Dio's. And yeah, it's the world. Zawardo. Zawardo. <laughs> and it picked up Road Roller. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> wait, did it pick up Road Roller? Or did Dio pick up Road Roller? Because Dio is a vampire. He, he could still pick it up himself. I thought it was Dio that Ooh. picked up the road. Now I'm looking up that scene on YouTube. Well, while you look that up, really the only downside about the world is that all it took was a kick from Star Platinum and then the world just exploded. Like it's it must have the weakest shins ever or wherever it got <laughs> kicked by Star Platinum because that was a, a very interesting way to go. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It was actually Dio that had lifted the road roller. Oop, okay, sorry. It wasn't the world. <laughs> That's fine. It's better if it's Dio. But yeah, I guess like the world has the upper hand against Star Platinum because it was the first one to, to stop time. And then Jotaro was like, no, I can stop time too. <laughs> Jotaro is like, obviously he's extremely intelligent. Um, Definitely the most intelligent um, Jojo. And... I like to think that because Star Platinum and all stands are manifestations of one's spirit or one's inner self, Jotaro's super smart and he can just kind of pick up on things really quick. So I feel like that's just the same way with Star Platinum. It saw a stand do something interesting and was like, I can figure out how to do that too. It's kind of like when Jotaro was playing, oh, that's a baseball. And he's like, I've never played a video game before. I've never played this video game before. And then like within a few rounds, he's like, okay, I've pretty much got it down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is, by the way, my favorite episode of part three. Is that? Um, what was Darby it? Jr. Oh, it was Darby Jr. Yeah. I just love that. I love the, di- the dynamic between Joseph and Jotaro and the way they team up. And of course, just Jotaro in general, his approach to, to video games. Yeah. yeah. I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> Um, any honorable mention? Well, you had an honorable mention, right? Yeah. Uh, my honorable mention was, uh, Emperor, uh, by Whole Horse. (laughs) Yeah. From part three, just because it, like, it has these homing bullets, I guess much like Mista, uh, although this one he doesn't have to feed, um, (laughs) just because, like, it's just an accurate shot every time, except for when he teamed up with. Was it Boing- Boingo? Boingo or Boingo Monyata Zendata, whichever. No, we don't do that here. It's Oingo Boingo. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was like one of the few instances where it his bullet didn't hit its intended target. I'm remembering it's because Polnareff sneezed in Jotaro's face. Oh my at god, the last so second. funny! <laughs> I love that part. Um, but this is just more so because of like, like the accuracy of of hitting your target like i would love to have that accuracy um although it would be cooler to if i had it like in an arrow form instead of just like a like a bullet Ooh, i wonder if there's gonna be an archer type I, stand. that was what i was actually gonna ask you like if if there's any um archery based stands that you know of that i know of at least in part i don't know if they're in part six or if you've if you've not, heard ahead of from part seven eight nine not that i'm aware of but there very well could be mm. i don't know all the stands Unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. I'm anime only except for part six. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, but that was like my only honorable mention. Well, my honorable mention is um, because you know I love him, Joseph Joestar's Hermit Purple. <sighs> I I get that people think it's 
a stupid stand. I get that people think that um, it's a useless stand, but there is actually some practical use for Hermit Purple. Just got to smash a camera every time. <laughs> well, besides that part of it, I mean, to be able to see in that that moment a snapshot um, of where your enemy is or whatever he does with the TV, right? Like all that stuff. To be able to have that foresight is really cool. Um, he uses it to grab items. He uses it like fucking Spider-Man. <laughs> when he swings through Egypt or whatever. Yeah, like th there, there is some practical use for Hermit Purple. I would say arguably Hermit Purple is more useful than the sun or the rock. Like there's more mm. versatility there than those stands. So yes, he gets a lot of... A lot of shit because he went from being like you know the the protagonist of part two to having like the weakest stand among the stardust crusaders but i think there's still a lot of worth in hermit purple and i love joseph yeah but for someone who's supposed to be like one of the most powerful hamon users at least he does living. use i think he combines it with hamon yeah but you point. give him such a, a shitty stand in comparison <laughs> well it's at least I don't know. I don't know if it's an at least type of statement, but he does have, um, you know, very similar stand to his daughter. Holly. I kind of like that. Like Holly's stand is very similar to Hermit Purple, although she can't control it, so it's like solely killing her. Mm -hmm. So those are our favorites as of now. As more JoJo parts get released in the future, I wonder if our favorites list will change, especially with some of the stands that are coming through on part six. So I could see us revisiting this topic in the future. Yeah, because I... I don't know any stands in part six besides Stone Free. There are some really like. <laughs> cool ones, and there's also some very confusing ones. So I'm mm -hmm. curious to know how much of like some of this, like the lesser known stands are going to adapt, but I'd like to think they'd adapt all of them. But we'll find out. Um, until then, thank you so much for listening to Strictly JoJo. Hopefully you enjoyed our first official discussion episode, and we're looking forward to doing more of these um, just as much as we're looking forward to reviewing part six. So join us again on December 6th to kick off our part six Stone Ocean review series. And this wraps up episode 27 of Strictly JoJo. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere for part six every Monday and after part six every other Monday. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and share your favorite stand. You'll also find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of JoJo. Stay weeb, everyone. Arrivederci. <laughs>